0: guys, what's up? We are back with another podcast and this episode will be a really special episode. So we have one of our inspirations and it's indeed Varun Maya. Welcome to our podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. We're talking about things like Avlon Meta, like things like Twitter. We're talking about relationships per se and how it affects careers. So without any further ado, let's let's jump right into it. Alright, so speaking about the introduction, there's already a lot of information available to Varun on the internet. But for the people who don't know, Varun, I don't know what uh, rock you're living under in. uh, Just introduce yourself, Varun, in a few sentences. Sure. So uh, I'm CEO of Avalon
1: and Avalon Meta. Um, I was one of the youngest entrepreneurs in India to have raised venture capital. Uh, I did that when I was very, very, very young in college, my last year of college. Uh, We scaled that platform to uh, to to about 4 million requests in 2016, sold it in 2017, and then I started Avalon. Which is a company I currently run. Uh, in the beginning, we decided that we want to kind of, you know, work with, work on the services side, you know, build software, do marketing mm-hmm. for companies across the world, and then uh, eventually build a product of our own. In between, you know, we've had our stint with investing, um, which didn't work out. It wasn't the greatest kind of, like, you know, experiment for us. But um, you know, there are a lot of experiments that did work. Uh, we sold a small company uh, in the middle of Avalon, and now. Uh, we working on Avalon Meta, which is, uh, you know, kind of revolutionizing education. So having worked in almost every single segment in the digital space, uh, we think, and and with several successful projects, track record, mm-hmm. uh, we think we're the right people to to fix education in India. So that's what we're working on, uh, specifically digital education. Um, so less right, things exactly. like mechanical engineering and more things mm-hmm. like, um, you know, software and, and design and stuff like that.
0: Great. So you spoke about Avalon, right? So let's, you know, introduce Avalon to the listeners. So for example, like let's say Avalon is going to a college for placements. How would you introduce Avalon to those guys? Sure. So we've we've
1: got two parts in Avalon, right? We've got the services side and we've got the product side. The services side is bread and butter, right? We we work with different clients and we end up uh and, and we've got some really massive clients across India and across the world. Uh, we work with several VC funded clients, uh, series A, Series B, Fortune five hundred. Uh, all over the place and you can find more information on our website but um, the end, end point is we work with these clients we hire people have them work directly with the clients so that they learn uh, we run ads for the clients we run campaigns for the clients and that's on the advertising side and then on the sourcing side uh, or, or rather on the software side we build software for them so we'll build apps we'll build um, you know web apps anything mm-hmm. under the sun and now we've you know we've had some experiments building games as well but we don't do it for
0: clients we do it for ourselves. right. So, So, you know, you spoke about investing in companies, right? Because I know you've been invest. Avalon has been investing in a few companies. So, how does it feel like, you know, feeding a company and see it grow? How does it feel like?
1: Hmm.
0: Well, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because see, I'm an
1: entrepreneur. I'm. I've I've realized over the years that I'm. I'm not an investor. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. If, if one of the companies that I've invested in is struggling, like say, a Mana Network or foxbound or whatever, like the companies that we put money in, if, if I see them struggling, I you know, pull up my sleeves and I try to help, right? So that is actually a bad thing. <laughs> uh, you should mm-hmm. give the entrepreneurs space. You should let them kind of experiment and figure things out rather than figuring things out for them, right? So um, I, I realized that the speed at which I move, nobody else moves at that speed. So what, we're, what we've recently, or rather what I've recently learned is it's best for me to kind of, Ah, uh, be in a situation where I'm in control of almost all the variables. I obviously have a team to optimize these variables, but I need to be in control. like I can't mm-hmm. wait for somebody else's permission to move. And when you're an investor, uh, you know when you put in money and you see a company struggling, it's just it's a very bad feeling, right? It's a you it's a gut wrench in your stomach because it's money you worked hard for. It's not see a traditional investor invests other people's money. They call it limited partners. they invest limited mm-hmm. partners' money. Um, we invested our own money. Right, we invested money that we made from the services side, from the revenues. Right, we put a ridiculous amount of money. For example, Foxpond, we put in almost at this point uh, more than a crore. Right, mm-hmm. so, so those sort of situations, um, you know, it's it's not it's not the most fun, and and you feel a little bad when things don't work out well. And when things work out well, it's, it's fantastic, but you don't feel like you've earned the full reward or the full credit because you feel like you're riding on somebody else's work, right? The entrepreneur's work. Mm-hmm. So we are entrepreneurs and we decided we just wanna do this by ourselves. And that's, why, that's, that's the reason why we don't invest anymore, to be honest. Uh, but at the same time, two of our investments are doing really well. The other three or four uh, didn't work out so well, but we've learned more from the failures than we have the successes. In fact, if anything, the successes all looks very similar. Right? Mm-hmm. The way the successes worked, the things that worked for them, the things that clicked are all very similar. And, you know, I can share some of that towards the end of this podcast.
0: Definitely. So, you let's say you're starting investing again. And let's say uh, cash markets comes up to you for like for like a pitch deck or something. What would you look for in a company, let's say cash market? What do you want the company to have so that you would invest in the company?
1: See, firstly, I'm not the best investor and I'm also not representative of the You know the general investors out there. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are much more sophisticated investors than us that look at, you know, 10, 20, 30 different other things than we do, and who've been there across time. But uh, you know what I would look at is it's very simple, right? I just look at the team. We're a seed stage investor. We put in a small amount of money. You know, in terms of business, putting in a crore is very small amount of money. I mean, it might seem like a big amount of money to students, but it in terms of running a business, it's not enough money for the business to, you know. Unless the business is something that's already profitable and they're raising just for fun or something, then it's different. Or they're raising you know, because they have the potential to it. Or it's not a very scalable business. But if it's a scalable business, um, you should ideally be looking at bigger investors. And what I look for is just the team, man. If the team has the potential to kind of make it big, to win, to swing for the big leagues, then I invest in them with full knowledge that there's a good chance that
0: I lose all my money. <laughs> um, okay. No stranger to that anymore. Alright, all right. So you raised capital for jobs fair, right? A few years back. So how was the feeling well, you know, cracking that investor and getting that money and scaling that business upwards? What was that feeling?
1: It was actually terrible. Um terrible because it see, till you raise the funding, it's difficult, right? And when the PR comes out and all yeah, it's awesome, right? Because you're like, Oh wow, you know, I've I've raised money at this age. But then it also comes with potential like with a responsibility right you've got mm-hmm. um you got so many investors who are riding on you who are saying you know Warren, what's up you know how, how are we doing how are the reports like so more than anything in and and we had raised too early to be honest with jobs we should have maybe raised one year later once we had figured out product market fit because it's a lot of anxiety otherwise and that's all I, that's 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 the number one recommendation i give to new entrepreneurs which is uh, you know try to find product market fit try to find a business that works and then go out and raise money otherwise you're it's you're just setting yourself up up for anxiety, like a, a mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of I don't know what's going to go on. Uh, but luckily, we figured it out um, to a, to a certain extent. Obviously, you know Avalon is far 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 bigger than Jobs but for a 19 year old, I think
0: you know it was not a not a very bad situation to be in. All right, so even Avalon Meta raised a uh, funding few months back, I guess. So what was that like? Primary difference between those two like fundings? What did you find really special in uh, avalon meta
1: so see avalon meta is a much much more stable company uh and ov- obviously i'm a much more mature entrepreneur now than i was back then right back then when i raised money i was like 20 i was what it's, it's seven years so i was a very new entrepreneur i was still figuring things out but with avalon meta i know exactly what i need to do we raise capital for growth like w- everything that you see us do on instagram or um, you know or, or on the app it's, it's very, very planned in advance. We know exactly how to kind of work with the audience. We know how to grow them. And now we have something called a cost of acquisition. We know how much it costs for us to get somebody to join the Avalon army. right? And now our plan is just, well, let's just scale this.
0: All right, all right. So we are at the primary agenda of our podcast. So it's Avalon Meta. So let's say you want to introduce Avalon Meta to a ninth or 10th grade student, right? So how would you introduce Avalon Meta to them? So here's the
1: thing, right? We have a thesis that in the next five to 10 years, almost everything in the world, whether you're making a coffee machine or you're building a house, or you are working on a website for a client, almost everything will be done through software, right? Today, even if you look at a Coca-Cola manufacturing plant, everything is software operated, right? So we believe software is eating the world. And this is a quote by Andreessen Horowitz, in fact, uh, one of the biggest VCs in the world called software is eating the world. So we believe that the the means to do everything will be two things, right? English and software. You need to know the English language to be able to read the documentation. And then you need to know the software to be able to interface with whatever machine you're working with. So we believe in that like very strongly. And our goal is to teach those skills, right? And some of those skills are digital. Some of those skills are, have a little bit of a you know self-introspection perspective. Like, you know what am I doing? How do I manage people? Uh, how, how, how should I think? so we include those and then we include you know more hardcore skills like how do i do design how do i use photoshop mm-hmm. how do i uh, use a 3d software how do i use the unreal engine so stuff like that it's it's very um, uh, you know tangible so whenever somebody uses avalon meta they walk away knowing a lot of stuff right so uh, you know it's it's like a very you use mm-hmm. it and then immediately you you become good at what you do so that's
0: the kind of uh, you know place we come from for avalon meta Alright, alright. So it's tough, man. So the thing with uh you know Avalon meta is you have produced a lot of video for a lot of courses, right? So we have been into video production for a long time, and we know what kind of effort that requires to produce so many videos, right? And that those also well, you know, well-produced, well-edited videos. So how was the creative pro- process like, and you know, how much time did it take to uh, make one video and to edit it all out?
1: Mm. I don't know. We don't find video a very intensive process. Like we, we actually find video quite simple. Uh, but that's because we have a bunch of tools we use, right? Some are, some are mobile-driven tools. Some are more, um, you know, on-the-PC, Premiere Pro type of tools. And we have a very good team. We have some really, really good people on the team. In fact, you know, anecdotal story about college and this thing um, and, and the way it relates to the world is uh, we have this designer on the team called Ibadat, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. see his work, you'll be like, this guy is spectacular. It's absolutely good stuff that that he puts out right and he's a very very good designer he can do 3d too um the funny thing is that he he was kicked out of college right he had to drop out of college because um i don't know attendance issues or something so college you know i I can't believe that any college would remove somebody like ibadat because he's
0: so good and it just goes to show you how much the world is changing man yeah man you spoke about college right so you have gone through you know most of your instagram videos youtube videos right so you you are you know sort of against this idea of further education which is currently in state right so you know just elaborate on it like why do you say so and if let's say a student has to he has two options like either to choose further education or to do something else how you know what what should the student do in that situation
1: see i think the wording is wrong it's definitely not further education right everyone should Look at further education. But you should also look at a reasonable means to get that further education. If you're sp- saying I'm going to spend 30 lakhs to learn something that's outdated by the time I finish college, I mean, that's stupid. And, you know, I've been screaming about this from the rooftops for the last four or five years, man. Probably even longer. And the funny thing is that, you know, it, it, this is, it's just ridiculous. Because now, because of coronavirus, because of this, you know, small little thing that came out of nowhere... Everyone sees the the fraud that colleges, and especially these tier two, tier three Indian colleges. Like, dude, an IIT, IM will always be there, right? Because mm-hmm. they're more than the college; they're a community. They they have a lot more going on for them. They have, they have research, right? They've got a lot going on for them. But you're you know, Lalu Prasad Yadav University, whatever, Koramangala—it's it's just stupid. It's it's a waste of time and it's a waste of energy and it's 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 just it's a waste of your parents' money more than anything. But parents mm-hmm. have bought into the idea that. College is some hyper important, you know, it's some, I, I don't know what parents have been thinking, right, for a very long time. But that's narrative. That's narrative driven by th- their friends, mm-hmm. by newspapers, by advertising channels, that you have to go to college, you have to go to, you know, some college or the other you have to send your child to. It's a matter of respect and pride. That has fallen flat on its face in the Corona era. But that's what I've been saying for the last five years. And we're we're ready for like huge societal change. And luckily for us, Meta is on...
0: You know in the forefront of that change in india yeah i get that ad nausea right because a lot of people have just drilled in their minds that college will help you get a job college will you know get all the success but you know even i have been speaking about this for a while like not like on the internet or something but to normal people like face to face their argument is uh bro how do you get the network so what do you want to say on that like the network that you get from the college
1: well, a, go to your browser, type t.me slash Avalon Telegram. That's the network you need. That's the, that's the cool thing, right? We have the internet. Before the internet, college made perfect sense. So people think I'm against college and they give examples and they'll be like, bro, this guy's done an MBA, some 50-year-old guy. See, he's CEO of whatever company. I'll be like, yes, he did an MBA at a time where an MBA was necessary to get that network. Today, you have the internet. What is like, what is the net in internet stand for? It stands for network, right? So we built these networks and now it's become niche networks right you want a network for game design you can find it you want a network and look at you can look at the avalon army right we've got a we've got our entire networks on telegram you can see on the telegram app you can see that we've got a network for uh everything from game design to mechanical to web flow to it's photoshop to design i mean we've got networks in everything right so if you're saying you need to spend 20 lakhs to get that network and somebody's offering it to you for free you're an idiot right i have no nothing better to say and the thing the good news is most people are not idiots right most people have already realized this students know this right students know that the assignments they're doing in college have no relation to the real world they know that teachers Mm -hmm. are just troubling them and making them do you know this or that which it there's no correlation with the real world it's not like if you do that assignment suddenly you become better at what you're doing in the real world firstly the software the technology that colleges use are decades old right so anyway you're learning some really really old stuff and the hope is that, okay, at least you learn the concept from those stuff. But the problem is, today, those concepts are different, right? Because the mm-hmm. new tools have come out, the concepts of the new tools are different too, right? So, it's just, and and I always believe that you should learn theory after you, you've seen the value of something, or you've seen a little bit of practicals. Mm-hmm. Right? So, that, I think college is not, uh, I mean, they've not, students have started realizing this as much as, you know, everyone else has. So, I'm very excited to, you know, finally be in a world where Everyone has realized what's going on and, uh, you know, college no longer has that potential of being, you know, that I have to go to college to become something in life. That's done. That's dead.
0: All right. Right. So you spoke about like, you know, uh, the basic idea I got uh, from your reply is that college is not adapting enough and we already have so many tools for networking. Yeah, it's too it's too expensive.
1: See, if college was like 30 or 40,000 rupees per year, Mm -hmm. makes total sense, right? And if if it was obviously a college with good output, where you actually learn something from good teachers. Firstly, colleges don't hire good teachers because they cannot afford good teachers because people are, you know, the college wants the bigger margin, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. most people who are practitioners who are really good at their job, they don't teach. They they don't want to teach. Or even if they teach, they want to teach part-time because they're like, dude, I have a job. I need to stay relevant at my job. There's a problem you see like if you're relevant at what you do every day then you cannot you do not have the time to be a full-time teacher because if you're a full-time teacher for two years that's suspect that that's a problem because mm-hmm. you you understand why right because you've lost touch with reality you've lost touch with what you're doing on a daily basis like my good friend Tanay says this right Tanay is a he's a software developer at microsoft and he teaches on the part-time right and mm-hmm. i've asked him several times you know why don't you teach full-time and he's like, very simple, solu- very simple answer to this, right? If I teach full time, I won't know which is the latest frameworks, you know, what, how I should work on this, how I should work on that. I become a fraud essentially, if I don't work full time. So that's, uh, I think what, uh, you know, mm-hmm. right now, the, the world is missing, which is teachers who are
0: part time, but part time for a reason. All right, all right, all right. So, you know, I uh, like that point also, right? So the thing with, you know, colleges and stuff, and even schools, right, they're not teaching the essentials right now. So let's say design of blockchain so blockchain is not that new like it was new a couple of years ago but it's not that new but you know it's a very useful skill like i I know few people who are just like at the age of 13 14 15 they are getting you know they're the ibm developers for blockchain like you know blockchain is a very underrated concept in my opinion and you know let's talk about blockchain so uh, how would you explain blockchain to a like a layman like how how would you do that
1: Well, it's simple, right? It's like Google Docs, but it's got redundancy in the sense that redundancy is is not a layman word, I guess, but it's basically like, here's the thing, right? Let's assume there are 10 of us in a room. Okay. Hmm. And out of the 10 of us in the room, one person decides, uh, like, you all decide to create a financial system. Now the current financial system with banks is that one person decides i'm going to keep you know a record of all the transactions that happen i'm going to you know keep this notebook and in my notebook i'm going to write when you know rahul in the group sends money to say sandeep in the group i will Mm -hmm. keep i will write it down in my book so that tomorrow there's no confusion on who sent who what money right now the problem with that is if this bank guy this individual guy becomes corrupt then you have a big problem right and you have you you understand why right because Mm -hmm. he can just change the book whenever he feels like Right, so that's the current system with banking, where you know the banks—they're doing whatever they want. Right? Like the government is printing money. The government, and firstly, you're not supposed to do that for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, kind of um, undermining the reason that people pay taxes, and they're misusing that capital. Right, you don't know how where that money is being used. And obviously, you know, in 2008, we realized that the government bailed out the <laughs> banks, which again, you know, it's it's unfair for the government to bail out a bank because you know, at some point you have to understand that the banks were the problem because they were giving out bad loans, right? It's that one guy in the group who's just giving out money to people and, you know, fudging the data whenever he feels like saying that, yeah, that's yeah, a good loan. So that is something that's effectively controlled by blockchain because in the blockchain, what happens is instead of one person being the bank, everyone becomes the bank. Mm-hmm. People say, everyone says, you know what, we'll all keep, you know, this notebook and we'll all write down whenever anyone makes a transaction now earlier in the past that would be too resource intensive right and obviously everyone will have to actually keep that ledger everyone will have to update that ledger but because of internet and computers you can automatically make the ledger happen it's just you have a computer and every time you know someone writes to the ledger mm-hmm. so, someone makes a transaction in the group that's stored so uh, and, and not just stored on one computer but stored on everybody's computer so that's the blockchain and if somebody tries to fudge data if say person 10, 10 tries to fudge data and change it and say you know i instead of sending 100 bucks from a to b that uh, the value is actually thousand bucks anyone tries to do that he's kicked off the blockchain that's why it's called a blockchain right because it's not just one person it's, it's a bunch of people that that end up making that uh, mm-hmm. decision
0: all right all right so you spoke about the 2008 right so we are at 2020 and we are going through a recession again so you know a lot of people are going you know, getting kicked off from the jobs and stuff so how would uh let's say a 21, 22 year old survive when he's kicked out from the job. What should he do next? Firstly, think about why you got kicked out from
1: the job, right? Firstly, actually, there are two reasons. It may not just be about uh, you know your skills. It could also be about uh, the company didn't have money, right? There are multiple mm-hmm. things that you know lead to somebody getting a job, and uh, it could be it could be anything. So we have kind of you know first first thing is don't take it too personally. Right. Right. Don't uh, be in a situation where you think that it's your fault you lost the job. It's the economy's fault. And also you might not have had the skills. So if you don't have the skills, then become irreplaceable. That's the thing, right? People don't understand. it. As long as you're replaceable, you will be replaced at some point or the other. So uh, your degree is not going to save you unless you are actually irreplaceable through your skill set. And I know several people are irreplaceable, right? It's because they can solve problems. That's the only thing. Whatever field you put them in, eventually they'll be able to solve that problem in that field, whatever field it is. Right, so that's something that um, you know you guys should learn, which is how to solve problems, and it could be in any field. I, I can solve problems in like 10, 15, 20 fields in the digital space, right? Even offline, if I had to put up, a, fix a bulb somewhere, or fix a broken pipe, I'd be able to figure it out by googling it, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the most important skill right now: how to use Google and being able to figure out anything. So, and obviously both have the same, you know, relation with each other, which is if you can Google well, then you can also figure those things out. So it's Googling, extracting the right information, applying that information, which I think uh, people don't understand. People think it's a degree that will help you fix a pipe, which is not, it's not true. It doesn't matter what degree you have. If Mm -hmm. you can't fix the pipe, if the water is still leaking, then you're a failure. You're going to be replaced by another plumber
0: so i get that and also the thing uh, that is you know prevalent right now it's automation right so there are a lot of tools for a lot of things so uh, even for you know let's say cash markets we didn't require sales guy because we had so many tools right now so we were using this thing called Mm RocketReach.co, and you know that yeah uh, we don't have like the domain name yet once we get that we'll you know shoot up to foxmart So, right, so there are a lot of more industries that, you know, they are getting affected by uh, automation, but they are not still, you know, uh, getting noticed. So, for example, you know, just shed light on those industries which you feel are getting affected by automation, but uh, still, you know, then people are not uh, recognizing that.
1: See, one thing I've realized, right, is for somebody to recognize or realize a discovery, right, however that cool or awesome or bad, that discovery or whatever it is, it takes time. And sometimes that time, it could take years and years and years and years, right? And sometimes it could even take decades. In fact, um, there's a saying in medicine called bench to bedside, right? Which means from the time you discover a medicine, right? Or a drug, how long does it take for people to start using it? And usually that period is in 10 to 15 years, right? It's somewhat the same with technology, obviously much faster. It may be four or five years, but, and even, you know, this narrative that college is going to die, it will still take four or five years to really settle into people that Mm-hmm. college is is really going it's not it's not this is not some temporary thing um or they will change their form so it takes five to ten years right so the thing with automation is it's already here mm-hmm. and like you don't need to build a full human being in ai to say that oh yeah humans are irrelevant the thing is when what we do in a daily basis on a job is we actually do narrow tasks you understand what narrow tasks mean oh,
0: so the no, two kinds you can just
1: rephrase that sure so there are two kinds of tasks right for ai the first one is general tasks general task is uh I, I eat a bread i recognize that i'm eating a bread and then i go and you know brush my teeth and then i go to sleep i've done three things which are not you know which are somewhat different from each other mm-hmm. um maybe you know my pipe is leaking and i don't have anything else to fix in the pipe so i take you know um maybe uh something from maybe i take my you know, glass and I, I shove it in the pipe so that, uh, you know, my drinking glass, which is non-standard, right? So it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a set task, but you'll, you'll be surprised in a, in a work situation, right? Most people don't spend their time on narrow tasks, uh, sorry, on general tasks like these. They don't mm-hmm. do multiple different small things, right? They instead do very focused things like Excel sheets or scraping leads, or, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're familiar with sales or prospecting, yep. right? These are all very, very narrow tasks the thing about ai is we are very far from creating an ai that can be general that can you know talk to somebody and then go to sleep or talk to somebody and then you know um, uh, go on a trek in a forest we are very far from that kind of AI, which can do multiple things but we are actually very it's already there where you can create an ai system where uh, a simple narrow task like prospecting or scraping leads is done we already do it on Foxbound. right and this replaces the job of somebody who's maybe you know let's say somebody who's worked for 10 years in the field of prospecting mm-hmm. it can replace that person's job right completely and the thing is even though those tools are there people still have overblown prospecting teams because it's hard to say say a big company right like deloitte mm-hmm. with thousands of employees it's very difficult for them to adapt and change and say okay now we have this tool now we'll fire 500 of our employees that entire process takes six months two years three years five years whatever it takes as long as you possibly as they can possibly get it on plus you have to remember that. You can't just fi- fire 500 people like that at a big company right there's all a lot of lashback when you do that just because you find a tool sl- the phase out of people happens very 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 slowly so automation is already here it's just that it'll take a, take some time for uh people to see it in action
0: all right so we'll come back to automation but you know I wanted to ask this question why has fox have that you know that domain name require the domain name why is that like that why can't general emails uh, use fox because general emails won't convert
1: like at the end of the day, Foxhound, you know, it's not it's not charity, right? Like we have a server running there that costs a lot of money. We're running a scraper on the back end that costs a lot of money. The scraper is something that runs constantly. It scouts the entire internet, which requires a lot of computing power, a lot of server mm-hmm. bandwidth. So uh, we want accounts that will convert, right? So if we have a general generic account, something at like Gmail.com, and we expect that to convert, it's not going to, right? Because most people who use a Gmail account are using it casually, whereas somebody like say. Um, somebody who's using Foxpond for for commercial purposes will have a company account. So, and Foxpond's main target audience, you know, for us is like bigger companies, like companies like Visa, like companies like Dell, these are the companies that are using Foxpond right now. So that's our target market, it's less the small, you know, creators, but at the same time, we understand the needs of the small creators and we're working on a startup plan. The only thing is it still requires a domain. A domain costs like 99 rupees. Today, you can actually get a domain for hundred bucks. And if you don't have a domain, it shows a lack of seriousness, to be honest. Right. right. So, Mm -hmm. so that's, I mean, I'm not talking about you guys, but in general, it's what, that's what it signifies. So, you know, that's essentially where we come from when we prevent having a domain or we prevent you guys from signing up without a domain.
0: All right. We'll take that into account. And also let's get back to automation, right? So in my opinion, like, let's say the music industry. So I'll first take your opinion. What? How do you think will the music industry get affected by automation? see, first first things first, right?
1: Um, You can have some tastes and your tastes as a human being are very dependent on your past or your future, right? It really depends on what, you know, what experiences you've had and who you've been, you know, talking to and what music you've listened to when you're young, what music your parents listened to, what music your friends listened to when they were young, that sort of stuff, right? So, to to get that, to get an idea of what your tastes are, you need to listen to a lot of music on a platform. And a platform has to have a history of that. Because once it has a history of what you like and what you don't like, you're done. Right? In the sense it can find you exactly what you like hearing. And YouTube already does this reasonably well. Spotify does this even better, where eventually mm-hmm. it will recommend you good stuff that you like listening to. And you know, the hope is that you continue listening to the app forever. Because every app, from a meta to you know, these kind of you know, Spotify, YouTube, whatever, every app's goal is engagement right? We want users mm-hmm. to use the app as long as possible. And in our app with Meta, we say, well, we have to do that because, you know, we need to become a big app, but also we want to we want people to walk away with good output, right? So we think that both are, they're not mutually exclusive. Both can happen at the same time. You, could, you can really learn from an app, but at the same time, spend hours on it. In fact, you need to spend hours on content to get good at it, right? So that's something that uh, we've kind of... Uh, you know, we've seen mm-hmm. that in music apps. Eventually, what's going to happen is they'll figure out your tastes, and then there'll be AI to mm-hmm. to compose the music. Right? Today, if you if you guys have looked at, we I mean, just go to Google and type MelNet. That's M E L N E T, right? So, if, yeah, if you look at MelNet, right, it's a it's a simple synthesizer. It allows you to kind of um, mm-hmm. take somebody's like hundreds of comments from somebody, and uh, you know, uh, uh, by comments I mean like voice comments, like voice usage. And it allows you to kind of um, create a pattern of that person's voice. So whenever that, whenever whenever you have some sort of text string, it, mm-hmm. it, it comes out in that person's voice. In fact, if you guys have heard of Jordan Peterson, he's a very famous professor with a lot of content online, or Joe Rogan, they, this has already happened to their voices, right? Now, what's going to happen is all musicians, eventually, they will just go to Melnet, create the voice, right? Create a digital voice. And, you know, eventually you like some sort of music, you like some sort of lyrics, maybe you really like the word... Hey, in a song, right? Suppose you really like that word. Then what will happen is, because Spotify knows this, um, it will kind of, you know, use Melnet, um, put out a song that's very similar. And this already happened in the EDM space without vocals, but mm-hmm. it's about to happen to vocals as well.
0: Right? So it has actually happened, right? So uh, I don't know if you know this producer, Rethwiz, right? So he has his own sounds. So, there are a lot of, you know, the EDM producers who apply their uh, voices also. That's vocal chops, I guess that's what, what it's called. They are, this is happening already. And also, if we take production into uh, the case, uh, let's say you're applying chords to a melody, right? So, that's th- those are like basic rules, right? So, for example, if we take the song, uh, um, I Like Me Better. Have you heard the song? Mm, maybe. So, like the first verse has like the notes A, B, C sharp and uh, it's F sharp, right? So uh, there are basic rules for matching chords. So there's no such plugin. So I've checked it. There's no such plugin which applies chords to melodies. So there are a lot of more options for the plugin space, in my opinion. Like what's your take on it? Like music plugins, how would they progress in the future?
1: See, it's very simple, right? You. These are all dual skill requirements. Till now, everyone's been a single skill guy. Like I either learn computer science or I learn music. But some guy who knows computer science and music will eventually figure this out. Right. So more and more of these are coming every year. More people are self-learning music. More people are self-learning computer science. In fact, college wasted four years of people's time. So that's what I'm saying, right? Like I can, I can prove to you that college has actually been the villain. That's, that's kind of stunted progress in many different fields. But at the same time, when college goes, automation will happen. Like an insane amount of automation will happen because people will self-learn multiple skills. And if to automate, you need to definitely know computer science. You need to definitely know English and or, or Chinese any sort of major language like that you know or Hindi if you're in India and once you know that it's very very simple for you to uh, kind of pick up a problem and just say okay this is a problem that requires music and computer science I will figure this out because I know both and that's exactly what's happening in the world right now that's where most of the VC funding most of the VC money is going
0: all right. So you know, speaking about automation again. So there, so we we were doing influencer marketing for a long time. So we once you know got in touch with an influencer, and this guy was working with like five influencer marketing agencies. So you know, in my opinion, like the social media management and all that will be automated soon. That's why we are not like putting super you know like all our efforts into that. Like, mm-hmm. what's your opinion on like social media agency? Would would they get automated, and how would they get automated?
1: I don't. I don't know. I mean, how hard is it for an influencer to hire one guy and tell him, just reach out to you know, different companies that need my work. Eventually, there's going to be a platform that does this. It's it's as simple as Urban Ladder or Urban Clap, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen Urban Clap. What Urban Clap does, it's going to be somewhat the same, but a lot of, you know, or rather, the, the better alternative is Upwork. If you've seen Upwork mm-hmm. for freelancers, it's exactly the same thing. Eventually, there's going to be a platform that beats them. Somebody's going to build that platform. Somebody's going to scale that platform. It's
0: not going to be challenging at all. All right, so we spoke about Upwork, right? So it's one of those sites for freelancing. Let's get into freelancing like totally. So what do you think like a general freelancer needs to have to either like start freelancing? And what are the skills that he or she requires like to just start out?
1: Um, See, here's the thing, right, with freelance. Freelancing is is a step up to kind of entrepreneurship. You you need skills and you also need like this mild ability to sell. Because if you can't sell, it's a it's a waste of time. Right? You're yep. you're not gonna be a good freelancer if you cannot sell. All right. So mm-hmm. you need these the combination of these two skills.
0: Okay, so you know there are two like basically like uh two ways for general uh freelancer. Like one is to register on upwork or freelancer.com and stuff. And the other way is cold emails. So I've been doing cold emails since a while now. So cold emails, it's basically, you know, it's very different from formal letters in my opinion, right? So formal letters have like a very simple subject or like something which is, you know, very easy to read and stuff. But if we take uh, cold emails into the consideration, you have to put in some clickbait and stuff in that. Because, uh, for example, you're mailing to, let's say, for example, you, you, you're getting so many emails per day, right? And to pick, read one email that requires something special, right? So that's uh, cold email. So what do you think, think uh, cold think email should do? Hmm? I think
1: it's less about cold email. I think it's about uh, reach the person on the channel where they have the least amount of noise. Like I right. have a lot of noise on Instagram. If you reach out to me on Instagram, chance I'll reply is very, very low, right? Because I get like 500 DMs a day. Whereas um, on email, I get about 100 emails a day. noisy. On Twitter, I get very few DMs. Right. So it's it's very dependent on uh, which channel. Mm -hmm. Um, So use the channel that's
0: least noisy for a particular person. Okay, so if you like if a person has to put a cold email, so what, you know, are the general steps you should follow so that most likely the person replies?
1: I don't think there are any most likely steps like it it really depends on who you're mailing. Right. If you're mailing, make sure that you make it short. That's I think main thing. Make it short and uh, make it sweet and readable personalize it dude. Like you cannot send a mass blast email and have like, you know, send the same email to 500 guys. Sending it to me, make it something relevant to me so that I feel like actually reading the email. Otherwise, it just sounds like you're selling me something, right? So so be very careful about what you write and be personal. Like write the, handwrite the emails. It's like, it's just like the olden days, the 1980s, where you had to actually manually handwrite the emails. But people don't want to put that effort. They want to send one blast email to everybody.
0: All right. So you know, nowadays, so, I think, uh, mm-hmm.
1: you know, you should, be, you should be using video and email. There's a lot of uh, video and email uh, companies. I I don't recollect the name of any, like I don't, the name is not appearing at the top of my, uh, at the roll of my tongue, but there is some very good video and email companies, uh, video automation. We don't use it anymore, but it's it's very popular right now. Like,
0: can you elaborate on like video emails? So you, you send a video in an email,
1: essentially. There's this static image of a video and you press plus play and the, the video plays. And you can, you say, hi, John, you know, thanks for opening my email.
0: I want to talk to you about XYZ.
1: That's it.
0: All right. So, you know, speaking about cold emails and stuff, you were a freelancer before, right? And, you know, how was that feeling of getting the first, you know, freelance project done? Like, first I'll ask you and I'll, you know, share mine too.
1: My first project took months, man. Like, I expected it to be done in a month. It was a $100 project. Uh, It's a very, very small amount of money. It took me three months to finish the project. Three months. The client was just this change after this change after this change. But it was... Either way it was cool. Like it was a good feeling because I felt independent. I'd never made money before that, right? Online. So making money online for your first time is is pretty it's pretty fun. Today everyone's doing it, right? In coronavirus, everyone is mm-hmm. technically a freelancer. So So yeah. I mean it was it's a good feeling, but it took much longer than I expected. I learned a lot of things about rules of engagement. Right? In Pajama Profit we cover that, rules of engagement, which is um after your first once you get a little bit of comfort, what do you tell your clients to make sure you don't unnecessarily keep on making unlimited number of changes, right? So have like a set number of changes beforehand itself without appearing cold, right? Sometimes when you do that, you can appear cold. You can appear like some person, you know, who's rude or hard to work with, which I definitely appeared to when I was younger, because I was like, I'm only going to do this, 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 this. I'll, and here are my rates. Otherwise, you guys, you can go do whatever you want, find somebody else. So you can do it much, much, much softly, which I've learned over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that
0: you know, it's, uh, we detail more of that in Pajama Profit. Yep, I read that like, story of the first uh, freelance project you got, right? So, I want to speak about this too, right? Uh, I've been into some freelance projects which, you know, the the client is just, you know, I don't want to say this, but like terrible because a lot of, like, changes after, uh, you know, finalizing a thing. Like, did you have an experience like that, like, the worst client? Just share experience on that. I've had horrible clients, but here's the thing, right? It's necessary for you to have bad clients
1: because you'll realize that it's a function, like your ability to, um, you know, pick up good clients is is a function of um, how experienced you are. So if you're not experienced, you're obviously going to get bad clients. It's just part of how things work. So it takes some time. It takes, you know, you you need to be a professional before you get professional clients. And that's, um, that's what's um, so cool about this thing. Or rather, mm-hmm. it's more like, a. I mean, think of it this way, right? If you're a cricket player, if, first you have to play gully cricket before you play, or, or play in the nets before you play professional cricket, before you're paid well, right? Before you have good batsmen and bowlers in your team. Think of it like that. It's like that. Everybody needs to go through having bad clients. That's, I mean, this is my stance on it.
0: Others you'll never know what it's like right so you know i'll share my experience about my first client too right so uh it was like a few like you know i guess two years back so i got this headphones i saw that company it was a great headphone right so i just i thought i should like get on their forums and try you know saying that this this like xyz uh headphone is great uh so i got their email as well like support at there at xyz.com right so i mailed them uh and i just asked if i could work with them because i had a few numbers and emails of a few you know like live streamers youtube live streamers right so i did influencer marketing with them and that was completely via cold email so like my first project was via cold email right so i didn't uh, want to get to upwork or freelancer.com like do you think i made a mistake there by not registering on a, a actual like website uh,
1: it's, i think it's a choice based thing uh working on upwork has its benefits you get good deal flow uh, it's it's good to start your you know your freelance career there, but I don't think it's good to stay on it for a very long time. It's like it's like breast milk. You, you can be on it for a very short period of time. It's necessary. It's nutritious, uh, but you
0: know you, you cannot do it forever. It's spoon feeding. All right. So you know let's you know get back to Avalon as well, right? So uh, let's say you're hiring somebody for Avalon. What what do you what do you look like? Uh, what look look for in a potential. Uh, Employee and what would you lot would not like that client to do in front of you and let's like like keep the scenario of an interview What do you look for in a potential employee?
1: So here's the thing right we've changed our drastically changed the way we hire people earlier we used to hire people who are Younger train them up and you know see them into the world right in the sense We would be their guiding light through everything Right now we've changed that. We don't have the time for that. We've matured as a company, so we only hire experts, and we want to make sure these experts are all self-starters. So they pick up a project. You know, if, if it's hard, then they figure out, you know, how to solve that problem by themselves. Uh, we we want as little management as possible. So uh, the thing with youngsters is you need to manage them. If you're running a company like Infosys or Music, there's a lot of management involved. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't like management. Management sucks. All right. right. So we want to kind of be. You, the, the kind of um, um, entrepreneurs who just, we do the creation of things like uh, marketing, sales, or whatever it is. We'll do it by ourselves, but we need people to solve their problems. For example, the dev team, they just handle their problem by themselves. We we don't get involved unless it's something that's really urgent that we need to actually be involved in.
0: Alright, alright. So, so... so, we look for it. Great. So we are almost like at the end of the podcast. So uh, like three uh, great tips for freelancers, like upcoming freelancer, what should they do? Three great tips. Firstly, build
1: a personal brand. Uh, Secondly, build a personal brand. Tertiarily, thirdly, (laughs) build a personal brand. Uh, Today, there are plenty of people selling website design or, you know, software or whatever, even 3D printing or architecture, there's an unlimited number of people doing it, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. How are you going to differentiate? How will you get projects? Like every person with like three followers who reaches out to me for anything, it's just, it looks shady, right? But if you've got an audience um, and or if you're part of somebody else's audience or somebody knows you, either you need to be a referral or you need to have an audience. One of the two is absolutely necessary in today's day and age. Even Upwork has started losing its charm. It's not even a good platform for new freelancers so mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's my biggest recommendation to you build a personal brand
0: yep, so I, I like that point about like the upwork is not good for like upcoming like the new freelancer because i believe there's a lot of traffic on those uh, websites and that's why getting like a project would be very difficult there and also like, yeah start becoming mm-hmm. like that that's what i'm saying either personal brand or
1: referrals that's i think the the way to go that's why you need to make mm-hmm. friends you need to network That was the original purpose of college, right? To network so that you get an edge over somebody else. That's what college has lost. Because you're networking with some random, you know, kids instead Mm -hmm. of real professionals who come to your college to do something. Because the real professionals are too busy, man, to go anywhere. And now they can share their experiences on on a mobile camera. They just need to switch on their front cam, uh, open Instagram, Facebook or something or LinkedIn and just say whatever they need to say.
0: Alright, so, so you know there's one network. more thing right a personal website so is is that really necessary for like a f- like a new freelancer or let's say a new professional 100 percent, 100
1: like without a personal website i don't know what you do right and i don't have the time you uh, people mm-hmm. who don't know me know i work on several things at the same time right like most top ceos do no time there's no time mm-hmm. for me to deep dive and your website is like if, if I like your website, I will call you in for an interview like in a few seconds. I don't take too much time to decide on...
0: I, I have no time to waste on deciding. All right. So, you know, I saw this course on Webflow. Webflow uh, just a second. Webflow on Avalon Meta, right? So that was really amazing. And, you know, Webflow is very easy. You know, first of all, it's, it's just like Photoshop. Like if we see Photoshop for websites, it's just like that. But a bit more simpler. Like that helps building a personal website. So, uh, you know, Webflow, right? did you make a personal website how how long did it take to make a personal website and how did you use webflow in that yeah my, my personal website's on webflow it took me like i don't know 10 minutes all right that's you know insane because i tried making a website on webflow like a couple of weeks ago it took me like um, 6 hours to do so anyway so you know yeah, let's okay. get like, i've been mm-hmm. using
1: webflow i've been using webflow for like a very long time and obviously html css for almost 10 years now so I wouldn't expect, like, that's what I'm saying, right? Don't compare your day one or your day two with somebody else's day 3000. Like literally it's been 3000 days since I started working on HTML, CSS, right? So it's not a good comparison to make. So don't worry about it. You
0: know, HTML, CSS, it's like, I've learned that, but it takes a long time to make a website on HTML and CSS, right? So even if I copy paste the syntaxes, uh, though it takes a long time. It's the same uh, fundamental, no? For Webflow and HTML, CSS. Yep. So you know, let's you know get to the last part of the podcast. So as you're a successful entrepreneur, like three basic tips for you know new entrepreneurs. Three tips. Uh, don't
1: rely on funding or anything like that. I think it's those are that time is over. Right now we are, we live in a day and an age where you can figure out anything by yourself. Uh, get your business model right. And that's number two. And number three is start small and then go big. I have this. Uh, some people come in and say, you know, these next five years I'm gonna build this and then after that I'm gonna build rockets. Don't don't do that. That's a Sam Altman quote. Don't don't say that I'm gonna do something else now for money and then do something else later for the for the you know, the the big change in the world. Start off with whatever big idea, big change you have because you'll be most passionate about it.
0: All right. All right. So it's been a great time talking to you, Arun. Like, thanks for giving us the time for the podcast. So, if you guys like this video, just hit that like button and also follow Warren Meyer at the links given down in the description. And yeah, until the next episode, peace out. Hi, guys. Bye.